Good morning. Thanks for being here today. I just want to say to the people watching on video today, welcome everybody uh, from Wakefield. Uh, first time people, thanks for coming today. You know, a lot of people go to church to find religion. And many people find it. Rules and rituals that are designed to make you feel better if you do them. But make you feel worse if you don't. We stopped serving religion for one Sunday to see what would happen. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, sir. We, we no longer have religion. You don't have religion anymore. Oh, my God. No, you can't do that. But that's what church is, home of the religion, right? Okay, shut up. Come on, let's go. Let's go somewhere else. But I come here for my religion. This is church, right? We don't have religion here anymore. You got no religion? We've taken it off the menu. Was this a joke? Are you kidding? What? If they're not going to give me my religion, I'm not coming here twice a year anymore. <laughs> People freaked. Get me my religion! When I was a little boy, I can remember my grandmother telling me, Donnie, if you do something bad, God is going to give you a black mark to try to control my conduct, you know? And then she would say, if you do something good, then God's going to give you a red mark. And this sweet woman unintentionally warped my view of God, like he was sitting up here at a, up in heaven, wherever that was, somewhere on a teacher's desk, looking at, okay, Donnie Williams, black, 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 red. Religion is trying to get more red marks than black. Religion is trying to tip the scales in your favor by the things that you do. And I can remember there was a point in my life when I said, I, I can't do it. I'm finished with church, with religion. This, this doesn't work. And then someone pulled me aside one day and introduced me to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then my life changed. If you've ever felt like you're not good enough, if you've ever felt like you just don't measure up and like you just can't do enough to earn this favor and, and do enough to please God, then you don't want to miss the next few weeks. Because I'm going to be going through a series called Losing My Religion. I'm not talking about faith. Faith and religion, two different things. But over the next few weeks, I hope you learn some principles that will help you lose your religion. In the book, The End of Religion, that you can pick up right out here at the info booth, it's the book that kind of inspired us to, to put our heads together and come up with this series called Losing My Religion. The author says this. He says, religion is any reliance on systems or institutions, rules or rituals as our conduit to God. He goes on to say that religion is like a thirsty person getting a cup of water and only licking the outside while never taking a drink of that which can quench their thirst. See, rules and institutions and rituals are, are fine as supportive elements, but those are not the things that help you get to know and have a relationship with God. Because just behind those rules and rituals and institutions is what will really 
quench your thirst. Religion has been around since humans have been around. We've always sought to materialize and in some way create a system that makes us feel better about ourselves. When God's chosen people, the Israelites, were rescued from bondage and and slavery in Egypt and taken into the desert going towards the promised land, there was this point in which they started to lose faith that God was going to do that. They started to lose faith that God was going to deliver them. They started to stop feeling God and cultivate this relationship with him. And so their leader, Moses, was up on the mountain talking to God, getting all the Ten Commandments. You know, you've seen the movie. So he's up there away from all them, and, and they're down in the valley. And they begin to doubt, and they begin to wonder, where's God? So they take all of their gold jewelry, they put it in a pile, and they melt it all down, and they make this golden calf. And they dance around this calf saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. This is the God that's going to take us into the promised land. They were creating their own idol, their own own religion, their own ritual, their own system of beliefs about what was greater than them. If you read the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, You'll see that Jesus did not come to start a religion called Christianity. In fact, Jesus came to call people out of that. Jesus was one of the biggest religious rule breakers on the face of the planet at the time he was here. He was all the time messing with religious rules. In fact, the very first miracle that he performed was when Jesus went to this wedding and they they ran out of their beverages, they ran out of wine, and Jesus turned some water into wine. But if you look a little closer, the, the thing, the, the, the vats, the jars that all that water was in that he turned into wine, they were called ceremonial washing jars. And there was this ceremony that, that the, the Jewish people had for getting clean. You had to wash the right way and at the right time, and you had to, you had to dry the right way, and you had to do all these things just exactly right, you know, with your leg up this way and your eyes looking, whatever you had to do, and do three spins and then wash your hand. They had all these big ceremonies to do everything, and Jesus looked at those jars that were sacred and says, here's what I think about your religion. Here, here is what I think. So he, he broke the rule because he, w- he was coming to teach a group of people who were just all about following the rules and they'd forgotten what was inside the cup. They were cup lickers, everybody that he came to teach. And he's trying to convince them that, hey, all this stuff, you know, I, I gave you the, these first five books of the Old Testament the Torah, and then they thought, well, that's not good enough. And so uh, then there's the Talmud, which is their version, their interpretation of it. And then there was probably post-it notes all over the house just to make sure that they got it all right. And Jesus shows up and says, no, that is not what life is all about. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. So he's trying to teach a group of people who had done what's called build a hedge around the law. For example, when it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The principle behind that was that every human being needs to rest. God rested, you need to rest. 
But as they began to interpret that, they thought, well, we don't want anybody to break this. They forgot about the whole principle behind it of rest. We don't want anybody to break it, so let's build this little hedge around it that says, okay, on the Sabbath day, you can't do any work at all. Uh, Even if your ox or today your tractor or whatever goes in the ditch, you can't even pull it out. And then they would build a further hedge and say, here's another list of things you can't do on the Sabbath. Forgetting that the principle was to rest, they built this hedge further and further out to where people literally walked around on the Sabbath day counting their steps. There probably wasn't a lot of conversation. It was just people going around going one, two, three, just counting their steps to make sure they didn't break the law. And Jesus comes to say, that ritual, those rules, that's not going to get you any closer to me. That's not going to get you any closer to a relationship with God. All religions are basically the same. They are just ways of getting what you want in life, this life or the next life. The Bible talks about religion. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles uh, right here at Six Forks and up in Wakefield, and if you're here for the first time, you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and and we'll give you one. If you need an extra one, raise your hand and, and the ushers will make sure that you get one. You can follow along in there or read on the screen. At LifePoint, we believe that the words you read in that book will reveal God's plan for your life. In the New Testament, there are several letters near the end called epistles, and, and they're written primarily by one guy. His name's the Apostle Paul. And one of those letters is to a church in a little town in the first century called Colossae. It's called the book of Colossians. And this church that he's writing to, they were dealing with this massive dose of religion. It was a very spiritual culture. And this church in this little town of Colossae was was really part of another church, or started by another church, in in a nearby town called Ephesus. See, the first multi-site church. It's biblical, if you ever wondered. But their culture was, was filled up with other gods. And people who originally claimed to follow Jesus Christ, they were beginning to dabble in these other religions, these other beliefs, these other ways of looking at deity. And that's what the whole culture looked like. In fact, their culture considered their ruler, Caesar, whoever he was at the time, deity, Lord. It was a common greeting in that day to go to people and say, Jesus is... Or, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And Caesar would allow other religions. He was okay with that. People could practice other religions if they wanted to, Christianity, anything else. That was fine. Just so Caesar was supreme. Just so Caesar was above all other religions. So people worshipped gods like Zeus, Athena, Dionysius, and, and the Egyptian god. That There was this TV show about in the late 70s. Isis, anybody around 40 years old remember Isis? Anybody? Okay, two of us watched it. It was good. These people started out knowing Christ, but then they let religion creep back in because they would have grown up. They would have been around this very religious culture. So Paul has something to say to these people who believe that that, that life is better lived following all of these rituals and all of these other gods in addition to Christ, in addition to saying Caesar is Lord. And here's what Paul has to say to them. It's on page 817 in those Bibles we handed out. It's in Colossians 
chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's talking about Jesus Christ. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. What he's saying is, Jesus is above all of these other religions, all of these other gods that you're observing as you go through your daily lives in this little town. Jesus is above all of that. And the Apostle Paul is saying, lose your religion and find this or refind this relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying, stop licking the cup and get to the inside where you can find what can truly give you life. It's Jesus, not Caesar, that's supreme over all things. He's saying everything God is, Jesus is. He's saying when you look at Christ, you are looking at God himself. And when you have a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with God himself. In fact, Jesus said that In the New Testament book of John, in chapter 14, he said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So what does all of that talk about how people are living in the first century have to do with us today? Because over the next few weeks, I'm going to be asking you to lose your religion and find or refind a relationship with Christ. And hopefully by the end, we'll all see that the emptiness of just looking at the outside of the cup and not looking at the inside, which contains the living water, the thing that can, can give us life. If you've tried to live a way that got religion to fill you up, you know you were left empty. Maybe you're here for the first few times and you're just trying to decide what you believe about God. You're just trying to figure out, is Jesus really who he said he was? Is this thing called church really all it's cracked up to be? And and if that's you, you come here at a perfect time. Because over the next few weeks, you can see what's inside the cup. And we're going to strip away all the outside and get back to the core and see how we can lose our religion and find life and lose our religion and find freedom and today lose our religion and find a relationship with Christ. Here's what religion does. People who practice religion, here's what it does. It over-promises and under-delivers. Now, religions can do good things. They can help people. They can feed people. It's, It's not that religion is a bad thing. That's not why I'm saying lose it. I'm saying lose it because... All religions are the same in that they don't deliver. Because religion focuses on me, focuses on what I like and what can get me what I want in this life and hopefully if I'm good enough in the next life. Sometimes religion is really strict. You know, don't dance, drink, cuss, or chew, or hang out with people who do. 
You know, say your prayers, go to church every week, read, and, and just, just be dedicated. And if you do that, then maybe, maybe, when you breathe your last, God will allow you, wretched person, to come in to heaven and have the life you want then. Now, sometimes it's not so strict. Sometimes it's just, hey, be good, don't hurt anybody, be nice to people, help little old ladies across the street, pray sometimes, and, and everything will be just fine. It's still religion. All religions tell you what you need to do before you can get things your way, either in this life or the next. Anybody ever heard of the book, The Secret? The Secret? It's not a big secret, so some of us have heard of it. It's part of Oprah's religion. Here, it really is. I'm not kidding. This is what the secret says, that there is this this universal law that somehow we've missed, you know, for thousands of years. And then what this, the secret is that if you just project positive energy out into the world, then positive energy will come back to you. So if you walk around being a positive energy person and you project that out into the world, then that is what's going to come back to you. But if you only project negative energy, if you're a negative person and all the energy that comes out of you is negative, then all you're going to attract is negativity. And while on a basic level, that is true. That is true that if you're a positive person, positive people will like to be around you. If you're a negative person and you're wondering, why do only negative people like to hang out with me? You know, kind of get, you know, get a clue. Go look in the mirror. But what happens when you're out in the world practicing the secret, getting all this positive karma, energy going out into the world, what happens when your spouse comes in and says, I don't love you anymore, it's over. And you've been good, you've been faithful, you've been positive, and you've done everything right. What's the secret do for you then? What happens when you go to the doctor and he says, it does not look good? And I'm not sure what our options are. What happens when you've lived a positive life and that happens? What happens when your kids rebel? What happens when your husband or wife are unfaithful? What happens when relationships end and you've been a positive person? What happens then? It's just another religion that doesn't give the answers that we need. It's just more cup licking. The people in Colossae were dealing with the same kind of thing. They were dealing with all of these options, all of these views of life, all of these views of where we came from or where we're going. And, and they, they, they had all of these options out in front of them. And Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. See, religion over-promises and under-delivers. Religion also leads to spiritual consumerism. See, since religion is all about me, finding my way, having it my way, it can quickly turn somebody who is genuinely searching into nothing more than a spiritual consumer. 
we're all kind of consumers by nature. I mean, when I go out to dinner, I go where I want to go. If I'm paying, we're eating what I want to eat. And if I don't like that restaurant, if the sanitary rating's not high enough, I don't go. Because when I go to dinner, it's about me. Some people live their entire lives like that. It's all about me. Robert Bella did a study on American culture he called Habits of the Heart. And he interviewed this, this woman named Sheila. And he was asking Sheila about, about faith, about religion, about her philosophy of life. And Sheila said she wasn't a religious person, but she said she was spiritual. And she said, my brand of spirituality is called Sheilaism because my faith is in me. It's my own little voice, and it's carried me all along the way. See, meism, which religion leads to spiritual consumerism, which just feeds that, that part of our nature that wants to have our way all the time, and meism in relationships looks like, hey, if I don't get it my way, I'm out of here. As soon as this marriage is not meeting my needs, I'm done. As soon as this job is not what I want it to be, finished. As soon as the commitment I made doesn't suit my needs anymore, it's over. As soon as church doesn't look the way I want it to look, I'm done. When all those things start to happen and I say, it's all about me and if I don't like it, then me is leaving. I've turned into nothing more than a spiritual consumer. Another thing religion does, religion causes guilt. Because since religion's all about me and having it my way, when I don't get it my way or when I don't measure up, when I don't deliver, I'm left with nothing but feelings of failure. See, the Colossians were dealing with the same thing. They had followed Christ, but they were still trying to follow all of these other gods. They were still trying to look at all these other philosophies of life and think maybe there's something, something there. And we're going to follow these rules that maybe it'll make us feel better about ourselves. And, and, and we'll do a lot of this and not a lot of that. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to feel better about ourselves. And just like we do, they failed. And here's what Paul has to say to them in Colossians chapter 2. Why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. The cup doesn't quench the thirst and the rules don't change your desires. Just because something says don't do this or do that does nothing to change your desires, but a relationship with Christ can. I can remember as a small child my grandfather telling me all of these things I was not supposed to do. I don't know if he just, I remember being impressed, like how did you know all those rules? And he just rattled him off. And at the end of that conversation, I thought, that sounds like fun. I never thought of that. And by, He gave me the rules, and it made me want to go break the rules. And Paul's trying to tell these people, the rules are not going to restrain what is inside of you. The rules are not going to take care of your desires that are sometimes evil that can lead you down a road you shouldn't be on. Just because it says don't doesn't mean you won't. 
But when you go into a relationship and leave religion behind, then Jesus Christ changes us from the inside out. And we're not just looking at the outside of the cup. We're drinking what's on the inside. Religion never fixes what's on the inside. Or what's on the... You know, religion never fixes what's on the inside. Religion only seeks to do what's on the outside. Jesus Christ is not just a choice in a religious buffet where you can go down and say, oh, I like this, mm, don't like that, oh, this looks really good, I think I'll have some of that. That's not who he is, and Paul's trying to tell these people in this little town, Jesus Christ is above all that. And while we may not have leaders today who are considered deity and God and leaders we have to address as Lord, we may not have temples who are dedicated to pagan gods, we have plenty of religion competing for our attention, our loyalty, and our affection. Sometimes that religion looks like a relationship. Sometimes it looks like money. Sometimes it looks like status. Sometimes it's just my meism all competing for my loyalty. And Paul is appealing through this letter to us too, saying Jesus Christ is supreme over all of that. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, actually, you heard me start to talk about something called Glocal. And Glocal is our way of saying that we are going to do our part to make a difference in the world globally and locally. You can read about that on our website. You just go to it and click Glocal about some of the things we're doing globally, but also about something that we're doing locally. We decided to take part in something called One Church, One Family. And what what One Church, One Family is that is if every church in Raleigh would adopt and partner with one homeless family, there would be no homeless families in Raleigh. So we decided we were going to pray for God to let our life intersect, our church life intersect with a, with a family who is homeless, who needs our help, and who, in whose life we can make a difference. We prayed. And a lady named Penny Thornton, came into our lives, came into our church, and her two boys, Caleb and Zuri. And we've gotten to know Penny, and, and, and recently we moved Penny out of a shelter into a home and then into her very own apartment. Penny wrote a thank you note, and here's what it says. She gives a list of five things and says, The most important days in Penny Thornton's life. Becoming a friend of Christ, and she references her baptism a few weeks ago. Giving birth to Zuri. Giving birth to Caleb. Meeting my family at LifePoint Church. Moving in to my home with my family of LifePoint. Thank you so much. You were all there for three out of the five. And many of you gave to make sure her home was furnished and make sure she had a car and rides and, and all those things. It says, love, Penny. And then Zuri, who has his first ever room and his first ever own bed and sheets and pillow to sleep on, says, thank you for my room, Zuri. And he wrote a little smiley face. Religion doesn't accomplish these things. But when people who have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ come together and say, we are going to make a difference in the world. When people who throw off religion to find Jesus Christ accomplish things like that and really make a difference. See, religion is so preoccupied looking at the outside of the cup, you never get to the good stuff on the inside that makes a big difference in the world. See, Penny is now a Christ follower, and she didn't trade one religion for another. She didn't get rid of some other religion and and become a, a Christian and accept the Christian religion. She accepted a relationship with Jesus Christ that she knows about because other people who had a real relationship with Jesus Christ were in her life making a difference. When you lose your religion and find Christ, your life will change. Over the next few weeks, I want to encourage us all, just lose our religion, find Christ. You can lose your religion and find freedom that you never thought was possible. You can lose your religion and find the life that you were meant to live, the life Jesus talked about when he said, I've come so you can have life and have it to the full. So I hope you're here for the next few weeks as we talk about losing our religion. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the story of Penny who didn't come about because a bunch of religious people got together, but came about because Christ followers said we want to make a difference with the love and message of Christ in the world. God, thank you for uh, the way we can just open up your word and read about how people thousands of years ago dealt with the same things we deal with today. And Lord, for those of us that feel like we don't measure up because we're trying to obey a bunch of rules, God, may we leave that religion behind and embrace your supremacy in a relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.